0: Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Person Podcast, a twice-monthly podcast for people who experience the world intensely. Join me on a journey of acceptance of our highly sensitive person traits. Welcome to the HSP Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly. Today, I am excited to have a special guest with me. This is Caroline from The Happy Sensitive at thehappysensitive.com. Caroline helps highly sensitive people and empaths to get out of overwhelm and feel lighter by teaching them ways to work with their sensitivity instead of trying to shut it down. And I'm so happy to chat with Caroline today because I've personally found it kind of challenging to truly understand what an empath is. If you haven't heard the word empath before, an empath is different than simply a person with empathy. There's a lot more to it than that. So today, Caroline is going to help me better understand this concept, and maybe some of you listening will identify with it too and think, wow, that's totally me. So thank you so much for speaking with me today, Caroline. Hi, yeah, it's great to be here. So I'd like to start by asking a little bit about you. Can you tell me what led you down this path to becoming a coach for empaths?
1: Right. So I used to work as a teacher at a local university here in the Netherlands and I had just started to learn, like come across this concept of highly sensitive people and was researching it a little bit. But basically I had no, no idea of what was going on with me and I would go home at the end of the day and I would be like my brain and my body would be filled with everybody's problems. And I didn't really understand why. And there was also this thing where I was just more aware of what other people were dealing with than most other people seem to be. Right. So I was, I was the first one who could kind of see like, Oh, this colleague is coming down with a flu or this person is not really happy about something. And, and then sometimes I'd talk to somebody else about it. And then they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like they're fine. But, but then later, like two or three months later, something would come to light and it would show that I was right about that. So I knew I had some kind of intuition about people, but I didn't really realize like how far it went until I completely burned out in my work. I didn't even understand what that had to do with being an empath until I started to really research anything I could get my hands on to figure out how to get out of this extreme overwhelming fatigue I was in. I was not even able to get out of bed, right? And so often gets put under the depression label, which ice for a lot of people, but in my head I was happy enough. I was like, I want to do this, I wanna do that, you know, but I literally couldn't, I just didn't have the energy to do stuff. I, I, I needed to do a lot of research and I, you know, i asked around like if other people in my, in, in my network knew anything that could help me. And when I figured out maybe I was an empath, I was like, okay, can anybody help with that? And nobody seemed to be able to. So I had to kind of start from the ground up to, to figure out, well, what, what is an empath and what does that mean? And what can I do about it? And a lot of the stuff out there was very discouraging. There were a lot of forums that say, oh, you're an empath. Well, good luck. The rest of your life is going to be shit, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be overwhelmed all the time. You know, it's hard. I was like, well, that's not good enough. You know, and I'm a researcher at heart. I'm at home. I can't go to work. I have all this time on my hands. So let's put that to good use. You know, let's start researching this. Let's start to figure out what's going on. And I just kind of went one step at a time. Like, what's the next little thing I need to learn or understand or figure out about this. And I I went like that for, for several years until I kind of had all the bits and pieces. And I realized like, oh, I was so overwhelmed at my job because I was literally taking everybody else's problems home with me as a kind of energy baggage. So it wasn't just that I was psychologically thinking about it. I was literally taking on the energy of their problems, their emotional pains or physical pains their stress or anxieties. And so I was carrying like the um, psychological and emotional and physical equivalent of who knows how many people's problems instead of just my own. And that's why it was so hard. And that's why it crashed at some point. And so when I figured that out, I was like, wait, there's nobody I was able to get help from to really fix this. Right. I was like, well, I don't want to go around like cleansing myself constantly or shielding, which is what a lot of people say you should do. I was like, I want to stay open. I want to be compassionate. I want to use this ability. It just, you know, be in my be in my body, feeling what I feel, knowing what I know without getting overwhelmed. So how did you know? And I was like, I figured out a way to do that. And then I was like, well, maybe there's other people who'd be interested. So I started a blog and I started kind of like looking at, well, what are, what's out there? Do people, are people interested in what I have to say? And then I started building a course and I tried it out on people saying, hey, you've got free access. What do you think? And I kind of built the materials I teach now from there. Yeah, you know, and coming from a teacher background, I created courses before. It was just applying it to a whole new field. So that's, That's how I got into that. And it was really exciting for me because I always wanted to teach something more important than introduction to sociology, you know, nothing wrong with that. But I was like, I want something that's about (laughs) people's lives, you know. And so it was through this twisting and turning that I got into that. Like, it's like, I was pushed into that direction. And I, you know, I found my way there as well. But and then I realized, like, oh, my God, like, I can actually teach stuff that. Is really crucial, is not really out there, and it's really fun to do. So that's how I got here.
0: So, are all empaths highly sensitive?
1: When I started, I didn't really know. I was like, I kind of assumed they were because that's how I work. But it turns out they're not. So, mo- a lot of empaths are also highly sensitive, but not all of them are. And it kind of has to do with the highly sensitive kind of type of person is there? it's almost kind of like a bit of a lifestyle, like it's a kind of a caring person. You know, they're overstimulated quite easily. There, there's a there's a there's a general kind of personality type that kind of goes with that. Not all empaths relate to that. Um, the other thing is that there are empaths who are highly sensitive, but they don't relate to the standard kind of introverted highly sensitive personality type because they're actually very extroverted. They're super social. They're like hanging out with people all the time. So they don't really see themselves as being highly sensitive in that way, even though technically they are. Um, so those that's, those are the two two options. So one is like, maybe they're not highly sensitive. The other one, maybe maybe they are. They just don't seem to recognize themselves in most of the material for highly sensitive
0: people. Interesting. Yeah, because it does seem kind of, logical i guess that if you are an empath that you might also be highly sensitive but hey we come in all varieties all shapes and sizes and colors and flavors exactly. yeah <laughs> so i still am thinking about empathy which is you know let's say you walk into a room and you see somebody who's crying and even if they're a stranger you might feel sadness and feel bad for them but I know that that doesn't mean you are an empath. You are having empathy for that person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are an empath. So could you maybe share a story or an example that can kind of illustrate what, what something that you go through or some feelings that you go through that you know, illustrate that you are an empath versus just garden variety <laughs> empathy?
1: Right. It's actually a pretty complicated question Uh, And so I try to, I've I've tried to kind of give a bit of an outline in in an article on my website. Um, But even then, like when I talk to people about half the people who contact me who are wondering if they're empaths uh, or think they're empaths, I mean, about half of them are not. Right. And these might be people who are like, I'm totally sure that I'm an empath. And of course, I can't scientifically prove that they're not. But the, the, the reason that there's this this confusion about it is because it's very hard to pinpoint. And it's kind of like the difference between the ocean and a lake. Like if you describe them, they sound like the same thing, but we all know that the ocean is not a lake. It's a different kind of thing. You know, there's a, there's a difference. So even when I, I'll, I'll give you an example, but even when I do, there'll be people listening to this who are like, Oh, I'm totally an empath. And actually it's, it's not that. And there'll be other people listening who think, well, everybody has that experience, right? There's nothing special about that. And they don't realize that they may totally be an empath. So it's like one of those things where there's, there's no really good litmus test I can give where it's like, if you have this experience or you have this thing, you're totally an empath. So what I do with people who contact me is like we have a conversation and I just kind of keep asking or, you know, over email or, or live conversation, right? You just kind of keep asking them for examples to describe it to me. So what is really different for empaths is that when, when you see someone in a situation and you're like empathizing with them and you're like, wow, that, that must be really awful for that person. A lot of times we empathize based on something we understand. And it's, it's like the more empathy you have, the more vague that, shared humanity can be that you can relate to someone about. So what I mean is that you may relate to their grief because you have grief. You understand what grief is. And so they are having grief about something you've never experienced, but you can see that they have grief. And so you're like, oh, wow, that that's that's awful for you, right? People with very little empathy only relate to you if you have exactly the same experience. So, you know, cat died and they had a cat who died. And so they're like, they understand. But if your dog died, they'd be like, who cares? Something like that, you know? Uh, right. So, so that's already one huge difference, right? So people who are not empaths may still go around and be like, wow, I feel bad for that person. And I really that that sounds awful. And and what can happen is if you have emotions inside of you that are unexamined, uh that you don't realize you have, that those kind of it's like jello, let those start to vibrate along with the energy inside the other person. And so you feel it inside of your own body. But it's still your own energy that you're feeling. It's just that it happens to be the same emotion as the other person has. So You're like, oh, my God, they're going through this thing. And so like, I'm like overwhelmed with this feeling inside of me. Right. So that's where it gets tricky. That's where there's a lot of confusion because that's not being an empath. Being an empath is literally when when other people's energies are kind of coming into your body and you're feeling this. And there's a lot of confusion about what is going on. A good example is if you're around someone who has a lot of body, shame or other kind of shame about themselves um, and they're just kind of beating themselves up. but nobody would ever know. they're not saying anything. they're not doing anything. they're not demonstrating that in any way, but you get close to them and suddenly you start just having all these kind of negative feelings and and ideas about you know your body or or, or something else, right? depending on what that shame is about. And you're like, wow, I'm suddenly beating myself up about this thing. And where is it coming from? You didn't even have a conversation with this person. You're just in their proximity. And suddenly you're, you're experiencing this wave of like, wah, 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 wah against yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Empaths have experiences like that. So they're not they're not grounded in, well, I had this conversation and they were telling me about, you know, this kind of thing that happened. And, and then I suddenly felt this way. That might that might happen, too. But those are much harder to kind of um, to kind of figure out. The complicated thing there is that if somebody is not in touch with their own emotions and we all have hidden emotions, like emotions that we're not aware of that we have, then those can be triggered by things that you don't realize. And so, again, it's super confusing because it's like, wait, is that my own stuff or is it actually something I'm picking up from someone else? So that's where being an empath is super confusing because you can imagine if you have we all have our own stuff that, you know, we're not totally aware of all the time. And then if on top of that, you're exposed to all this stuff from other people that's constantly kind of like coming into your space, you start feeling like you're kind of crazy. Maybe you're like, why am I just having these ups and downs? And, you know, and, and you start trying to figure it out intellectually and you start attaching stories. You're like, oh, I'm so sad all of a sudden. Maybe I was affected by this thing more than I thought. And you start, you know, obsessing about it. And actually, it maybe had nothing to do with you. It was just this grief that was present in the space or with that other person. There's a randomness to the empath experience that is not present with people who are not empaths. But it's very, very difficult for someone who is not an empath to understand. And so when I'm talking to someone who is not an empath and they think they're an empath, it usually ends up with them just saying, I'm just totally confused. I don't understand how oh, I can't be an empath. And I'm like, I can't explain it to you. It's just like when you are that, you understand the difference, you know, and there's lots of indicators, but it's just, it's a totally different kind of space to be in.
0: I think that's part of why I really wanted to talk to you. And I forgot to mention this at the top of the show, but the main reason is I was doing research on what it is to be an empath. And I had such a difficult time finding anything on the internet that I really understood. And the, by far the best piece of information I found was on your website, which is why I was excited to talk to you. You said so many things just now that were so interesting. Is there any relation between being an empath and having psychic abilities?
1: Yeah. So an empath abilities are a kind of psychic ability. Um, It's just that, you know, depending on how you label all this stuff. So I'm sure there's somebody who would say, no, it's not a psychic ability. It's something else. I just call everything that has to do with energy and intuitive awareness that is very strong a psychic ability. You know, let's keep it simple. Being an empath is a kind of psychic ability that's based on feeling, and it's just it's very different from what we normally associate with psychic stuff, like seeing auras, talking to dead people, the future, seeing the future. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. And that's why it's often confusing for empaths to recognize it as an ability as well, is because they're just like what do you mean I have the superpower? I just get totally emotionally confused all the time, right? Because they have no way to decipher it. But when you learn how to actually decipher it and recognize what's going on, you get a lot of information about what's going on around you. But you get it in a different format. You don't get the graphic visual. You know, you don't get the, like if, you're, if you can see someone's aura, you can see colors and you can see all these things. And it's really clear that you're seeing that in somebody else. Whereas for empaths, they're just feeling it inside of their own body. So, I mean, for me too, if I'm working with a client and my client has a really sore throat, I feel the sore throat in my body, I might be like, "Wait, what's what's wrong with my throat?" And then I need to check in and see is, if that actually, actually is me or them, right? And it's like, "Oh, they have a really sore throat." Okay, good to know. But it's it's a different way of knowing, and it requires um, it requires some tools because you're kind of like you're kind of blindfolded. You're walking around in the dark. And you're feeling all these things, but you don't know what it means. So, that that's kind of where the deciphering comes in, and how it's different, and why there's also less information about it online. It's just, you know, I can't, you can't print out like feeling graphics of what things mean. (laughs) You know, it's just like Mm -hmm. it's a very different kind of thing.
0: So this might be a dumb question. But you were just talking about the whole sore throat situation. Like if you're talking to someone and, you, and you're feeling it inside of you, and you have to check with yourself to see if it's you or to see if it's them. How do you do that? How do you figure out if it's you or if it's them?
1: Yeah. So I I teach people an intuitive tool to to use. So I'm I know I come from an academic academic background, so I'm a big fan of scientific systems up to a point. I think you know a lot of people try to do everything intuitively. I think you need. I mean, you need intuitive tools, which kind of externalize that so that even if you don't feel very in tune that day, you still have a way to check. That's the short of it. Like I have an intuitive tool. I teach people where they they have a way of uh, letting their body show them
0: what's going on. What are some of the challenges about being an empath and what are some of the great things about being an empath or a trained empath?
1: Right. So I'd say the challenges are that because you're, if you're an empath, you're constantly distracted by everyone else's stuff. And it becomes almost like this layer of chatter and distraction around you, where if you're spending time with somebody who is in a really weird, funky space, you start to be in that funky space and you can't focus. So empaths then typically struggle with really staying focused on what they want you know, and going after their own goals. And when it gets really bad... It's like they're bouncing around just trying to help everyone feel okay, because instead of being able to manage their own space on the inside, the only way they naturally know how to do that is to manage the space around them, which is pretty big. You know, it means you're impossible. Yeah, (laughs) it's impossible. Exactly. So they're constantly trying to make everyone else feel better so that they can get some peace of mind, which obviously doesn't work. And which means they're constantly enabling and supporting people who maybe don't even value that and don't even benefit from it, but it's their only way to kind of make things work. And, and to end up in a place where maybe they're with um, with a really mean partner, like a narcissistic partner treats them really badly, but they can kind of feel what the other person is going through. So it's really easy for them to identify with the other person's perspective and minimize their own uh, their own feelings and their mm-hmm. own needs to the point where they lose sight of themselves. So. A lot of empaths end up in dysfunctional relationships. Not all, but it's a, it's a pattern. It's a very um, likely pattern. Another thing that can happen is just losing sight of your own kind of goals for your life, where you get so busy just trying to fix and help you know, everyone else that you don't even know what your needs are. You don't even know what you want for yourself because you're constantly in this space of trying to help and fix and heal other people, you didn't even know what your own feelings are. And you never get to actually work on your own stuff because there's always stuff from other people that comes first. So that's a huge risk for empaths who are untrained. The cool thing is when you're a trained empath is that, I mean, it's that whole idea of oneness that's so discussed on, you know, in spiritual, um, Media and and you know it's like it's a big thing and like oneness woo you know like essentially it's oneness but it's just a very confusing thing as long as you don't have tools when you do it's a really cool thing because you realize that actually there's no real separation between people and plants and and animals and we're all in the same space and we're all kind of constantly interacting and exchanging and so what that means is that you have a different way to connect with other people and to understand other people and other beings. It it really is a very powerful kind of intuition where very often empaths can sense what's going to happen, not in a kind of predicting the future way, but because they can feel the underlying pattern of things. So they can feel that maybe something feels very stuck and difficult, or there's an opening here. This feels really light. This feels really easy, you know, so they can kind of find their way around the dark, where other people might get lost empaths are like, Oh, I can feel where I need to go. Right. So it's a different kind of intuitive navigating that we have and being able to relate to other people very easily because we know what they're feeling. So it's like, you know, kind of cutting through the bullshit uh, and being able to say, you know, if you're for a therapist to be able to say, you know what, Mr. Client, I don't think that's what's really going on. How are you truly feeling? Right. Uh, Any kind of negotiation settings, being able to find that common ground between people and kind of knowing what needs to happen for people to really create an understanding. Any kind of service work, knowing what people need. right? So a lot of empaths are nurses, for example, and they're nurses and they just kind of intuitively know when people need attention and what they need. It's very handy.
0: Yeah, I could see it.
1: Education, working with autistic children or children with, with special needs or just young children who can't really speak up for themselves yet. It's not a problem as an empath. If you know how to distinguish between what is you and what's not, you can just kind of feel your way through that. You're like, oh, you know, like it's really obvious you're in the class and you're like that kid's really sad or that kid's really that kid is about to explode. Or that kid's doing something sneaky. I don't know what it is, but I can feel he's feeling all weird about it. You know, <laughs> uh, so it's it's a different way to um, uh, it's a different way to interact with the world and to tune into the world. And often often empaths assume that every uh, assume that everyone has this, and they're very surprised to learn that no, actually most people have no idea about what's going on um, at that level.
0: Right? Yeah. This is so fascinating. It's like thinking about things on a completely different level than I usually think about them. <laughs> and it seems like a big underlying aspect to this, to being an empath is what's you and what's not you. Like that feels like the kind of the current that's underneath everything is figuring out what's you and what's not you. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Yes, for sure. Like that's the first That's the first part, knowing what's you and what's not you. And then the second part is knowing how how actually because this is a big empath myth that's out there. There's this idea that other people have negative energy and they're like encroaching on my space. And that's what it feels like. But that is not technically what's actually happening. We have a lot of power in our own energy field. Like nobody gets to do anything that you haven't agreed to. The only problem is that we have so many old agreements that we forgot about that we have all these open doors everywhere. It's like, hey, come right in, grab a beer, sleep on my couch, whatever, you know. And then we're like, what's this person doing with my house? Like, they're so antisocial, get them out of here. But we forgot that we actually installed this special back door with this all-access bell for them to come in, you know. So that's the second part of learning what that is. And so for, for Empaths, that's like um, – It's kind of meeting themselves and realizing, like, holy crap, it's I'm not a victim to this. I somehow deep, deep inside of me have this place where I think I need to do this for other people. I need to let them in. I need to fix them. And typically a lot of empaths are in this place where uh, psychologically, rationally, they don't believe they have to save the world. Of course not. They're normal, healthy people. Of course, they don't believe that. But on this um, on the subconscious energy level something totally different is going on, right? And so like learning to bridge that gap and learning how to access that and, and accepting that, like, yes, I know you're absolutely normal. You're trying to do normal things. You would never actually consciously consider that you're going to save the planet with your own energy healing. But let's look at what's actually happening on a this, on this subconscious level deep, deep inside of you. And let's actually see why that's going on and how to how to change that. Because otherwise you're just kind of fighting fighting these huge energy waves all the time and um, and you're never going to win you're you're the tip of the iceberg and you're trying to fight the iceberg underwater it's just never going to work so so kind of accepting that and being like oh my god there's a huge part of me that's underwater i need to learn how to access that so that i can really uh, heal my own stuff at the roots so that i stop energetically absorbing all the 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 pains and the problems from other people
0: wow has there ever been a time when you've been able to feel an energy from someone else and you were able to figure out something about that person that they didn't even know yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. And you were able to tell them about it? or Yeah,
1: but typically if you as an empath feel something about someone else that they're not aware of, like people mm. don't want you to say that. Mm. Wow. Right. So, so when I'm working with yeah. clients um, what happens is often like at the beginning of um, kind of a, you know, a a program where we're going to work together for a while, there might be things that I feel that they're dealing with that I know are not going to come up until maybe six months in or something. And that's something I learned through experience because the old me used to be like, Oh my God, I'm feeling it. I have to share this with people. And you just get shot down because if somebody else doesn't recognize it, you know, who are you to go up to be all like, oh, I know what you're feeling. I mean, that's very presumptuous. Right. It doesn't really help. You know, it really doesn't really help. So I think that the thing with empaths where we can really be of service is when people are ready to own something and to deal with something, they don't feel weird talking to us about it because we can already feel it anyway. So they'll be like, you know, yeah. there's this weird thing. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Or I understand yeah. that. Or, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it creates a space for more kind of open sharing. But we have to be very mindful. And also, right, so like I said in the beginning, like some people think they're empaths. And actually, they're not. And so they may go around and kind of project their own hidden emotions on other people. And they might go around and say, like, oh, you're so sad. And you're like, uh, no, I'm not. And you're right, because they are actually sad themselves, but they don't realize that. So they see it all around them. So again, this is like a super complicated topic. You know, like as an empath, you have to really, really get to a point where you have tools to test what's going on. Because like, for me too, I teach this stuff, but I have to use my own testing tools, because whatever my brain thinks is going on is often not what's going on.
0: Yeah. So often what our brain is telling us isn't true and sometimes it's difficult to get to that place where you realize not everything that your brain is saying to you is true or real or should even be taken that strongly you know you are not your thoughts type thing
1: yeah exactly and our brain is filled with so many like logical uh, societal assumptions right like our brain in many ways is kind of following the rules and doing the best it, it can do with the information that it has But a lot of what's going on energetically is often kind of beyond what we can imagine. So um, I worked with a client once who uh, was she wanted to get pregnant and she had some she was she had some reservations about it. And she knew she was an empath. We were you know, she was learning the skills. But she said, I just have this weird feeling about getting pregnant and I don't know what it is. And so we kind of brainstormed what might be going on. And the what was actually going on was last in both both our minds. We had to just kind of keep brainstorming, testing, brainstorm, test, and it, it turned out that there was a colleague at work who was actually against it. It was not her. It was not her husband. It was not her family. It was this faraway colleague, and we couldn't even think of why. We were like, why would this person be against it? And it and then we realized like, oh wait you know, becoming pregnant has implications for, you know, what she'd be doing at work and that would have implications for him. And so once we got the information above the table, it became clear, but it's not what we thought of. It was not the logical explanation at all. It's
0: kind of amazing how powerful this energy is that you can pick up from other people.
1: Right. It's. I mean, it's like Skype, right? Skype lets you or Skype or other voice dialing systems, they let you connect with people across the globe. Yeah. Like it's nothing. And, and we're used to it. So we're like, yeah, that's normal. But actually, I mean, can you actually understand how it works? Like I don't
0: No, That's interesting. I like comparing it to Skype, but it makes it a little easier to comprehend. <laughs> so another phrase that I've heard in relation to being an empath is clairsentient. sentient. I was wondering if you could explain the difference or are they the same thing? Is being a clairsentient sentient, the same as being an empath?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think technically they're the same thing. Um, being an empath is having a clairsentient ability. And so it it kind of is the same thing, but it's helpful to make a distinction in the sense that the clairsentience is the ability that empaths have to feel other people's energy. And that's just kind of how they're wired. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's not something that is meant to be fixed. It's just, that's just where they're at. Like, and they can just feel stuff, you know? Um, And that in itself is not even a problem. What is helpful about the empath model is like there's a lot of information online about empath suffering which kind of highlights the problems you can have if you are clairsentient but somewhere along the line you learn to kind of be codependent with it where you're like you know my needs don't matter it's about saving and helping other people i have to carry the weight of the world and deal with other people's crap uh, and then it becomes a problem so it is helpful to distinguish them because when you learn how to be a trained empath, you learn how to undo that kind of dysfunctional psychological wiring. And it, I, I call it psychological, but it goes deeper. It goes into our cells. It's like, oh, well, I don't know if that's biologically accurate, but it's it goes all the way down into our fight or flight system. This is really deep stuff. It's not about saying to yourself, I'm OK. I'm not taking on anyone's energy, you know, like that doesn't work. But, you know, when when that those mechanisms that are making you on some deep level feel responsible for other people's stuff, when those start to, you know, one at a time get healed, you become more and more just plain clairsentience. Where it's like, you know, like you can feel that somebody's sad, but it doesn't mean you then get triggered to do all this stuff, either actively or energetically. You're like, they're sad. They're over there. I can feel it. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. Kind of like. There's a chair over there and it's red. Not a big deal. I don't have to go and paint over it, you know. So it becomes this very kind of objective ability, which is often really hard for empaths to even imagine because it feels so overwhelming when you're just kind of in everybody's energy and you don't even know what it feels like to just be you. We're in in a society where our brains and our mental faculties are so overvalued. You know, and I come from an academic background. You know, I, I know about this. I understand this. And up to a point, it's really good. But what happens is that the emotional reality of our lives is treated like something ill. Mm. You know, kind of like, well, you know, your rational thoughts are all good and healthy, but your emotions are just kind of a problem. Mm. And And even in spirit, like, especially actually in a lot of spiritual materials and courses and teachers, There's this, I, there's this talking about like negative emotions and negative energy and, and the idea of, you know, it being kind of, um, brain to body. Like you have a thought, the thought makes you feel something and the feelings make you do something that, that direction, but actually it goes both ways. You can have a feeling, which then creates a whole, a whole host of thoughts. And when you actually deal with the feeling, the thoughts go away, right? This, yeah, and this is really important for empaths because what often happens with empaths who are on the spiritual path is they try to fix it on a mental level. And they actually end up totally bypassing the energetic reality of being an empath, which is that energy is real. It's not just an idea that you have that something is passing you know, from one person to another, at least if you're truly an empath. There really is an energy exchange, and it needs to be dealt with on an energetic level, which is different from the psychological level. So, you know, like some of my clients have been in therapy for years to deal with codependent stuff and work through family issues, and they're really assertive and they're really clear on their boundaries in a practical level. But on an energy level, they're still like giving giving everything away that they've got, taking on everyone's problems, because it just, it's it's a different, it's like a different dimension or a different yeah. level of reality. And it needs its own space.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. Like you said, we think about our thoughts. And we think about these things that are seem quote, like real to us, but energy is real too. Like you just said, and it's powerful. And that's something that a lot of us overlook. All right, Caroline, thank you so much for coming today. Well, you didn't come. You just, okay.
1: (laughs) I just skyped or well, kind of, (laughs) yeah,
0: (laughs) you're not here sitting with me. Um, and maybe in an energy level you are no, sorry. Bad empath joke.
1: Um, (laughs) no, actually it's kind of true, you know?
0: Caroline, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I, I'm sure that you've helped a lot of people, including me, better understand what it means to be an empath and what it means to separate your stuff from other people's stuff and how to become a trained empath and learn how to use your abilities in positive ways for yourself. Tell us how we can find you on social media. So
1: um, I have a
0: website, thehappysensitive.com. And and on my website,
1: you you can find a lot of free articles. And there's a free e-course, How to Grow Your Happy Sensitive Intuition. There's information about the Empath Program. And there's a little free e-course attached there as well. So it's thehappysensitive.com. I'm on Twitter as ID Sensitivity. And I'm on Facebook as The Happy Sensitive Project. And that's just facebook.com forward slash the happy sensitive.
0: I encourage you all to check out the happy sensitive.com to sort out your empath questions with Caroline. As you can hear today, she is wonderful and has some really great tools for you to become a trained empath, a clairsentient. You can check out the show notes for this episode at highly sensitive net slash episode 58. 5-8. There I have links to Caroline's social media contacts as well as how to get in touch with her for coaching. Folks, if you like this podcast, if you've ever found value in it or had a realization from it, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash HSP. Just a $1 donation per episode makes a huge difference. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N com slash HSP. And I want to give a special big thank you to Johnny Urban, Shaf Mars, Emma, and Karen Kruger for your generous pledges to the show on Patreon over the past two weeks. So exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you are able to donate, don't worry. You can also support the show by rating it on iTunes. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. See you in two weeks.